the uh, Harvard faculty and the Harvard Corporation didn't want to be seen, you know, as $50 billion endowment institution, didn't want to be seen caving in to uh, its billionaire alumni class. Welcome to the Powers That Be Daily, Puck's podcast focused on the intersection of Wall Street, Washington, Silicon Valley, and Hollywood, and the players who run it all. I'm Peter Hamby. It's Wednesday, December 27th. Today, I'm joined by Bill Cohan with a look at hedge fund kingpin Bill Ackman and his recent crusade against wokeness at Harvard. And Bill also has some big predictions for 2024 about Twitter, the stock market, Disney, the Boston Red Sox, and more. We'll discuss all that and much, much more on today's episode of The Powers That Be. Are you tired of sleeping hotter than hell? I sure am, I sleep hot. There's something crucial about sleep that eludes us when we're too warm, too uncomfortable, and too caught in the web of our own thoughts to drift off. And while curiosity fuels our days, science tells us that cool sleep recharges our nights. That's where Chili Pad by Sleep Me comes in. Meet the bed cooling system that elevates the quality of human life through cool sleep. The Chili Pad bed cooling system is your new bedtime solution. I love it. It lets you customize your sleeping environment to your optimal temperature, ensuring you fall asleep, stay asleep, and wake up refreshed. Chili Pad works with your existing mattress. It's a water-based mattress topper that continuously controls your bed temperature from 55 to 115 degrees, allowing your body to rest and recover. This isn't just about escaping the heat, it's also about optimizing your sleep for better health, more energy, and improved physical and cognitive performance, which I obviously need hosting a podcast. Chili pads are designed for one or two sleepers, so if your sleep partner likes to sleep at a different temperature, or you only need it for one side of the bed, that's okay too, and we know that's crucial. Plus, you can schedule automated temperature changes to trigger deep sleep. But when I'm at home, Chili Pad solves those problems. So trust me on this one. Visit sleep.me slash powers to get your chili pad and save up to $315 with code powers. This offer is available exclusively for powers that be listeners and only for a limited time. Order it today with free shipping and try it out for 30 days. You can return it for free if you don't like it with their sleep trial. Visit www.sleepsleep.com dot me slash powers because you're not just investing in better sleep you're creating a better life happy wednesday everybody welcome to the powers that be thank you for joining us on this week between christmas and new year's there still needs to be like a good name for this week last year we came up with fat week where because you just kind of eat leftovers and sit on the couch and wear soft pants Maybe soft pants week is is the week. Uh, I'm joined today by Bill Cohan. Bill, does your family have a name for that, you know, sleepy week between Christmas and New Year's? Hibernation week. That's a good one. That's a good one. You know, fire week. Just, just sit around, fire, sit by fire, tuck in, and you know, yeah, nobody, you know, nobody's bothering you. Or <laughs> uh, well, that's the hope. If you, yeah. yeah. <laughs> It's fun. I, the the notes I get about having you on the podcast, Bill, are great. They love you. Uh, they love your voice. They love, even though you're not like this, they think you're like curmudgeonly. Yeah. Uh, but it, it's on brand that you don't want to be bothered uh, during hibernation. Oh, totally. Week, but I certainly don't. I'm going to be wearing the same 
Viore soft pants over and over and over again <laughs> all week long. In Venice? No, we are in uh, Richmond, Virginia this year, oh, uh, sitting okay. by the aforementioned fireplace at my parents' house with my Good. brother and his girlfriend and Katie. Um, just cooking, eating, cooking, eating, cooking and eating and watching movies. Bill, I, I want to talk to you first about Bill Ackman of, of Pershing Square. Uh, he's someone mm. you've known for a while, uh, you know, very outspoken hedge fund manager. Uh, I feel like he doesn't indulge in hibernation week. He's definitely going to be tweeting through it. Uh, he probably, you know, is as we as we are recording this. Um, you wrote a piece though recently that I want to talk to you about, which is basically about his crusade uh, against Harvard, his alma mater, uh, but also the you know president of MIT. Uh, he you know s- seems to have claimed a scalp, whether it belonged to him or not, uh, of the president of. Penn after she resigned. And basically, his gripe is mostly about the anti-Semitism that's unfolded on campus after the Hamas attacks of October 7th. And, you know, he's injecting himself directly into these fights over what's protected free speech on campus, uh, you know, what veers into anti-Semitism. This also feels on brand for him. He seems like classic example of one of these Gen X men who are really cranky about Gen Z and their wokeness. Um, but what's at the heart of his anger with Harvard here? Why does he want the president, Claudine Gay, to resign? And why is he tweeting so much about it? Well, I don't I don't think there's uh, much that he uh, uh, fancies about her at this point. Um, <laughs> I don't think she can do anything right in his eyes. Um, uh, and I think, uh, but but of course, it's it began when she was a was a dean, uh, and then just sort of got promoted into this uh, job. Uh, I think she, he thinks, you know, Harvard has become, as you say, this um, den of DEI iniquity, mm-hmm. you know, wokeness. Everybody's focused on DEI. If you're not diverse. Uh, you know, forget forget trying to fill any opening with anybody who's uh, not "quote unquote" diverse. Uh, he just thinks that's um, destroying, uh, you know, a four hundred year old institution. Uh, it should all be uh, merit based. The, the best candidate should get every job. The smartest people should be admitted. You know, regardless of their, uh, you know, ethnicity, color, diversity that if the Jews are the smartest uh, people, get the highest uh, scores on uh, on their SATs, if they even require those anymore or have the best transcripts, then, you know, th- those should be the people that are admitted. If it's the Asians, if it's the blacks, if it's the Latinos, that, you know, they should be admitted. You know, so uh, this he's just completely against uh, the diversity movement, the woke movement, uh, and uh, I think that's the uh, base of his complaints. And then you can layer in any any other uh, things that, that are upsetting him. Of course, he's not happy about the Palestinian protests uh, on campus in the wake of the uh, Hamas attack. He's certainly not uh, happy about her uh, testimony uh, in Congress, not, not happy about how disruptive uh, actual classrooms are uh, on campus, and I think he's not happy that she was not 
fired uh, and that mm-hmm. the uh, Harvard Corporation and the Harvard faculty uh, came out uh, in support of her. But, you know, I think Bill uh, does, to some extent, live in, a, well, more than to some extent, definitely lives in a very rarefied world um, mm-hmm. where he uh, believes that uh, not only that he's, of course, right, uh, but that he uh, should be listened to and taken very seriously, you know, because he's not only an alum, but a wealthy alum and one who's given a lot of money uh, to the school and potentially could give more money. But I think that that becomes uh, a bit of an Achilles heel because I think really at the end of the day, what happened here is uh, the uh, Harvard faculty and the Harvard Corporation didn't want to be seen you know, this $50 billion endowment institution didn't want to be seen caving into uh, its billionaire alumni class. Yeah, I think he tweeted something to that extent, too. Like, you know, one of my sources at Harvard says, you know, there's frustration with President Gay, but they don't want to be seen as caving to me specifically. Um, And we should know, too, that, I mean, the Supreme Court has ruled this year against Harvard and then your arch enemies at the University of North Carolina um, basically undercutting affirmative action and saying that the admissions program at Harvard that, that favors minority applicants violates the equal protection clause. And so the, the news is moving in his favor generally and was well before, uh, you know, these three, uh, presidents went before the house and, uh, could not condemn genocide. (laughs) Um, it doesn't seem like gay is going anywhere. Uh, just stepping back, like does does Bill have like a larger sort of political ideology? Uh, and he's obviously been very outspoken in recent years, at least according to you know my antenna about him. Um, you know, is he just one of these guys who, in the current era, likes to go on podcasts and complain about pronouns and diversity, or is there anything larger? Uh, going on here. Well, I mean, you know, I, w- I went back and dug up his uh, Harvard thesis, uh, uh, Peter, from the 1980s, and uh, it, it was it was about how um, you know Jews and Asians had been uh, discriminated against in Harvard admissions for for years, and that uh, whereas once Jews had been uh, discriminated against and and uh, there were quotas against them. Uh, uh, President Lowell uh, specifically uh, believed that uh, you know you, you you could only admit small groups of Jews, otherwise they wouldn't assimilate properly. They'd, they'd hang out together too much and and not uh, become more like Boston Brahmin. Uh, and so we had to sort of limit the um, population of Jews at Harvard to around fifteen percent uh, of the uh, class. It had gotten up to, you know, 25, 30%, maybe even more. Uh, and I think he, uh, uh, the purpose uh, uh, or the uh, idea behind his thesis, which he called an essay, uh, which was, uh, by the way, very well written and researched. Uh, Got to give him props for that. Uh, but although ungraded, uh, you know, I assume everybody at Harvard gets A's on everything. Uh, so maybe <laughs> they didn't even have to put an A on it. Uh, but that the, that the Asian... Asian students had become like the Jews of mm-hmm. you know the 1930s and 40s that now they were uh, subject to quotas uh, and that uh, you know left 
to, uh, you know, with, without the quotas, if there hadn't been quotas, uh, there'd be a lot more Asian students uh, at Harvard. And of course, to your point, so that was in the, uh, you know, he, he likened the Asian, Asian students to the Jewish student experience, uh, uh, you know, that had occurred 40 years earlier. And now, as you pointed out, uh, thanks to the Supreme Court, there's been this complete uh, tossing out of uh, affirmative action, at least at uh, Harvard and UNC. Um, and I'm sure that's what's, you know, part of the, uh, you know, reaction to that Supreme Court decision is part of what's going been going on at Harvard for most of the year. And uh, I, I assume the the Hamas invasion and, and the Palestinian protests and the Israeli, uh, you know, bombardment of of Gaza is is merely adding fuel to all that fire. Uh, uh, you know, Bill. You know, you know. I sometimes, you know, Bill decides that it's the best, better part of valor to to be quiet and sort of look like he's retreating into his shell. And then sometimes, like this year, he's really taken to the uh, to Twitter, especially uh, where he his foundation is an investor, and he's become quite outspoken uh, in support of Elon. You know, when we spoke the other day. Told, you know, he told me he doesn't, you know, he doesn't think Elon is anti-Semitic, which is, of course, something he said before. Um, you know, he, he he doesn't see any inconsistency between, you know, uh, trying to, you know, condemn uh, President Gay at Harvard and not condemn uh, Elon Musk, uh, you know, for his uh, behavior and outrageous uh, statements and, you know, what he's allowed to uh, exist uh, on X, um, you know, I, I don't know, uh, you know, and then he's, at times he's uh, pushed for Jamie Dimon to run for president and then he'll, mm -hmm. uh, tweet, um, uh, you know, uh, uh, something, you know, that Vivek said, uh, that, that, you know, seems so offensive that Bill says, oh, this is definitely worth a listen to. Uh, you know, I can't really figure out his politics uh, these days. I'm, Pretty sure he's, uh, you know, a progressive uh, thinker and a, a Democrat, but I, I could be wrong. Uh, but he's been you know, flying kind of off the handle, both, you know, on on Twitter especially. Uh, and I, I think he, I think he's really sort of taken to the idea on Twitter that he can uh, write whatever he wants and it will be unfiltered, and so he doesn't mm -hmm. have to uh, talk to you know journalists or. Uh, uh, be on CNBC, but, but all of which things he still does, of course, because he he likes to be uh, at the center of attention and he likes people talking about him. And um, I think he's also believes that he's in a position to say things that uh, other people want to say but are afraid to say because they don't have his uh, sort of joie de vivre and devil may care attitude. Yeah, he wrote, uh, for example. Uh, the the a letter on December 10th to the governing boards of Harvard about Claudine Gay. In her short tenure as president, Claudine Gay has done more damage to the reputation of Harvard University than any individual in our nearly 500-year history. Hyperbole, perhaps, but, uh, you know, he immediately posted that entire letter on Twitter. So, like you said, for all the world to see, you know, didn't, didn't even wait for, for it to probably hit the inboxes of the Harvard governing boards. Um, but yeah, no person out there since Twitter allowed 
their new character limit expanding from 280 to 4,000 words. Uh, it feels like Bill has embraced that more than anybody else. He's, he's loving it. And one other, one other thing, when uh, Harvard released their admissions, early admissions statistics, and they were down, oh, what, 17% uh, year over year, you know, he took that as evidence of, you know, Harvard's deteriorating reputation mm-hmm. uh, in the marketplace. And, uh, you know, this is all of a piece. Uh, I think Harvard's going to be just fine. Uh, Bill, I'm going to take a quick break and then everybody get excited. I'm going to ask Bill for his predictions for 2024. Hey, Powers That Be listeners, I'm here to tell you that there's no reason to panic the next time you're searching for the perfect gift. Now you can use gift mode on Etsy. Gift Mode on Etsy takes the stress out of gifting, so you can find the perfect item for anyone and any occasion. It's easy. Just tap or click Gift Mode on your Etsy app or Etsy.com. Then answer a few short questions about who you're shopping for and what they like. And Gift Mode instantly gives you a curated list of gift ideas based on hundreds of personas. I use Etsy all the time and have for years. I bought my brother some artwork. I bought my wife some jewelry. I even bought a rug for our living room on Etsy. I love it. But there's a lot of pressure around gifting. I usually have a hard time thinking of gift ideas for friends and family members around the holidays or birthdays in my life. And sometimes I get super stressed trying to find the perfect thing. But now with gift mode on Etsy, I can search hundreds of gifting personas and find so many incredible items. And I actually just found the perfect gift for a buddy who's just as into Cincinnati sports as I am, a hot cup of Joe, Joe Burrow mug. That's right. I found that on Etsy. It's amazing. Now it's simple to find gifts made by independent sellers for all the people in your life. So whether you need a housewarming gift for the new homeowner or a birthday present for the pickleballer, Gift Mode has you covered. Need to find the perfect gift? Don't panic. Try Gift Mode on Etsy now. Quick math. The less your business spends on operations, on multiple systems, on delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you keep. But with higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. So to reduce costs and headaches, smart businesses are graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one platform and one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required, accessed from anywhere. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. You improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. So do the math. See how you profit with NetSuite. By popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to netsuite.com slash powers that be, netsuite.com slash powers that be. That's netsuite.com slash powers that be. Welcome back to the Powers That Be, everybody. I'm talking to Bill Cohan today. Uh, Bill, yesterday, Abby Livingston and I did uh, winners and losers from Capitol Hill uh, she didn't want to get into the prediction game, but I feel like in the business world, that's that's more fun uh, than in politics. Uh, do you have any big predictions for next year, 2024? Well, you know, I can certainly uh, 
if you don't mind, re- repeat too that I shared with Scott and Kara. Um, Please, it's uh, good company. One, one is, um, you know, I mean, I feel like you know, I'm in their mold of making bold predictions, and you know, <laughs> whatever happens, happens. First, I think I uh, predicted that the Red Sox would win the American League East, going from worst to first uh, under a new general manager. Now, I have to say that uh, John Henry is a friend of mine, so that's probably uh, a disclosure. Uh, but I, I know, I'm a lifelong Red Sox fan. and You're it's allowed to time be biased for, to... for your sports teams. It's okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I mean, I, I can make predictions about Duke, but uh, Duke basketball, but I'll, I'm not sure yet. I am hopeful. Uh, and then, uh, you know, I also think that um, 2024 is going to have to be the year uh, that the uh, Twitter. Uh, the X, the Twitter slash X debt uh, moves out of the uh, off the balance sheets of the seven mm-hmm. banks that hold that thirteen billion of debt. I think there's going to be some serious write downs that have to be taken. I mean, he's he's destroyed the economics. He's destroyed the P and L of that company. Uh, you know, uh, so now now what banks have taken to saying, uh, Peter, is that uh, the loan is money good. In other words, in other words. The, the banks are st- are trying to get into the marketplace this idea that that even though uh, X can't afford to pay the interest uh, on this 13 billion of bank debt uh, because the PNL has been destroyed, uh, you know it, they are you know not uh, guaranteed but sort of loosely guaranteed, uh, you know hypothetically guaranteed uh, by uh, the richest man in the world who's been paying the interest all year. And so uh, the best that they these banks can hope for uh, when they go to market this debt, which has to be coming soon uh, at this point, is that uh, you know even though uh, X can't uh, pay the interest on this debt and it really should be uh, defaulted, you're lucky that the owner of X uh, is the richest man in the world. And he's going to keep paying the interest on the debt, and maybe even it'll pay the principal one day. So therefore, do not try to buy this. Uh, debt for 10 cents on the dollar, you know, we'll only accept bids at 50 cents on the dollar. So they're going to take a big write-off. And if that debt, Peter, gets into the hands of some distressed buyers, uh, uh, you know, then that's going to be a nightmare for Elon, or it's going to be a fun drama to watch. I mean, Elon can obviously put the kibosh on it by buying the debt himself, or just, you know, doing something, you know, injecting more equity into the company or paying them off, you know, if they become too obstreperous. But, uh, you know, if it does fall into the hands of distressed debt buyers, it's going to be uh, an even more fun uh, drama and narrative to watch than than it is now. Uh, there, there are other, uh, you know, you know, I keep hearing from Wall Street bankers that, that um, you know, 2024 will be a better year for M&A. Uh, not you know, I'm not sure I really see that yet. Uh, you know, they keep they keep telling me, oh well, the the regulatory environment is getting looser. Lena Khan isn't as effective as she thought she once was going to be, and she's had to cut back on some of her uh, doctrinaire approaches. But actually, I don't know. I'm seeing she's still getting her way a lot of the times. I mean, you know, now it looks like Illumina is going to have to you know, sell off Grail. I mean, there are things happening that are still uh, very uh, tough from a regulatory point of view. Yes, the market is uh, kind of exploding here at the end of the year, which puts mm-hmm. people in a frame of mind to to do deals. Um, but I think, you know, let's see if the IPO market comes back. There was a window 
in September that you know things like Birkenstock got done and then got slammed, uh, and there really hasn't been anything since then uh, to note. So let's see, you know, what the first quarter is like, and if the IPO market comes back, then maybe the M and A market comes back. But I don't know. I'm thinking that our that the stock market is gotten a little bit ahead of itself i mean it's nice mm. it's nice to see it go up it's nice to see you know the people's portfolios become more valuable but i'm i'm a little nervous about it all well i, I want to ask you i was going to ask you about the stock market for 2024 why why do you think it's getting a little ahead of itself right now is it just like well, the tech stocks are popping and nothing else really is well i, I think well yeah i mean a lot of things have have moved up um but yeah it's mostly driven by you know the the big the big seven but you know the 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 dow jones is an all-time high uh you know trump said uh, electing biden would de- result in the stock market crashing and it's done of course <laughs> just the opposite now why people don't give credit you know to him for that i mean Trump uh, would take credit for the opening of an envelope. So Biden, I think, is the economy, you know, uh, unemployment is incredibly low. The GDP is doing better. Inflation is coming down. The markets are strong, stock market anyway. Um, uh, Interest rates are probably topped out at the moment, uh, thanks to the Fed. I mean, people should be giving him credit for this, and he deserves credit for this. Uh, and yet people are cranky and not giving him credit uh, and don't seem to like him very much, which I find uh, a little distressing because the alternative is pretty stinky, uh, if you ask me. Uh, I know I probably shouldn't say that, and you know all the haters <laughs> can come hate me now, but uh, I don't want to live through another four years of Donald Trump, that's for sure. One, one turn of that screw was enough for me. Uh, so hopefully uh, America will get its act together and realize that Joe Biden has actually done a pretty damn good job here. Maybe that'll happen in 2024, Peter. Uh, I think that's a prediction that the Biden White House would like very much. I'll make sure to funnel that to their comms team. Last thing, uh, one of our favorite topics at Puck is Disney. Uh, yeah. Do you have any thoughts on what uh, Bob Iger might do this year? We've we've talked a lot about you know some some properties he might sell or spin off or merge ESPN, et cetera, ABC, perhaps. What, what do you think might go on at Disney? Well, uh, you know, obviously he's going to get the Hulu deal done. Um, uh, you know, I think if he were clever, he would use some ESPN stock to do that. But, you know, I'm sure he's not going to do that. Um, I saw one Wall Street analyst thought that, you know, the time had come for Apple just to come in and buy ESPN. Yeah, I think, you know, Iger's not gonna, he probably should. I mean, he should do that. He should either begin to offload ESPN to Comcast as part of the Hulu deal or just sell it outright to, to Apple. Um, but he probably won't do either of those things. He's in love with it. You know, he loves spending all this money on live sports. I mean, he seems to be very excited about this transition uh, into uh, digital, uh, you know, the digital transition, the digital pivot for ESPN. Who knows uh, whether that'll ever happen successfully or not. I think the the one piece of good news uh, f- for Bob, uh, at least in the first quarter of 2024, is that, uh, that if Nelson Peltz initiates a proxy fight and actually goes through with it, I think Bob wins again. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and I don't even think... 
I have my doubts whether Peltz actually files the proxy materials or goes through with actually making those materials. Uh, but if he does, I think once again, just like a year ago, Peltz will withdraw uh, the proxy fight before the actual annual meeting vote in April. So I think uh, Iger wins that again. Uh, you know, whether he should or he shouldn't, I don't know, but I think he will uh, win that again. Uh, all these other big strategic things that he, you know, people have been talking about. Uh, ABC, you know, everything on the table. I think that just isn't going well, and and none of those things are going to happen. All right, Bill. I hope you're enjoying Hibernation Week. Uh, I Thank you. was a little wide-eyed at your Red Sox prediction, um, but uh, I hate That's to say this. That's just a fan thing. I know, I know. But, you know, because of the holidays, you know, and when else can the you Orioles. say this? But the holidays, <sighs> good luck with Duke. Um, thank you, my friend. Uh, and I and I and I didn't <laughs> even start my holiday drinking yet, and I'm already <laughs> making wild ass predictions. Well, we have Cooper Flag next year, an elite oh. two way prospect signing uh, with the Blue Devils. Cooper Flag is going to be a sensation. Yes, there's going to be lots of like moms and dads around Raleigh saying Cooper. They're going to pronounce it that way. Cooper, yeah, go Cooper. That's what they're going to say I mean, down I there. I don't think there's the been. Uh, a a guy so well molded to the Duke program in, in a in a while, you know, since Cooper Flag, you know, it's Cooper Flag. I mean, obviously there've been so many great Duke players, uh, but Cooper Flag just like seems cut, you know, from central Duke central casting. Uh, for the uh, people who aren't familiar with Duke basketball, I'll translate that for the audience. Bill is talking about. Tall, annoying white guy. Uh, when he says uh, cut, yep. "cut" from Duke Central, Cast. from Maine, from Maine, <laughs> he's a Mainer. He's a Mainer. That's right. N- yeah. Nicomas Regional High School. Um, yeah. We love saying Mainer, uh, uh, just generally. Uh, Bill, happy holidays. Thank you, Peter. Thanks so much for listening to another episode of The Powers That Be. As a reminder, The Powers That Be is the official podcast of Puck. We'd like to thank Ben Landy, Liz Goff, and Alex Bigler for their editorial and production guidance. If you like what you hear, please share with a friend. It really helps us keep delivering the inside scoop that only Puck can offer. Follow us on Twitter at Puck News. I'm Ben Landy. See you tomorrow. This has been a presentation of Odyssey. Please listen, rate, review, and follow all episodes wherever you get your podcasts. The Powers That Be Daily is executive produced by John Kelly, co-founder of Puck, Bob Tabador, and Ben Landy, executive editor at Puck.